Crossover week continues as Jax Falcone and Memphis Young join Alan Sislowski on the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. It's the Sonic Truth Dynasty-focused fantasy football podcast from the Player Profiler Network of Programs. I'm Alan Sislowski of Rotowire.com, moderator of the Sonic Truth Podcast with a major upgrade today. Major upgrade. Sitting in for the Podfather and Theo Greminger is a Memphis Young of the Dynasty Warzone, Jax Falcone. You know him from the Undroppables, the Undraftable, the Undroppables, all of that. Both of their podcasts appear on the Player Profiler Network. And as you can turn that damn music off already. Jesus Christ. It's on a loop. What do you want? <laughs> and this is cross-dresser week, right? Or something like that, guys? It's, uh, what is cross. it called? The, with crossover week? Crossword puzzle week. <laughs> very good. Very good. And for the next hour and a half or so, we're going to bring you the best Dynasty content. Uh, but guys, let's, uh, you know, there's been a lot of moving news that does affect not only redraft, but I saw Rashad Penny today is going to be the lead running back, got the first set of uh, reps. He was a first-round draft pick, Jax Falcone. I know it's just one practice and it's just one snap, but does this send up your antennas from a dynasty fantasy football value point? No, uh, but I but I do think it's what I thought was happening anyway, so that's why it doesn't really change much. I mean, I you know, you look at uh, Kenny Gainwell, DeAndre Swift, they were both kind of these, um, you know, sort of, be backs as they are called nowadays in the uh, in the NFL, and Penny was sort of the only a back that they had. You know, the sort of lead back, uh, first and second down goal line type player. So, you know, I figured he was going to get the first opportunity to be that. And um, it's not if, but how long does he get to do that? Based off of injury history, he's a very very scary proposition. But I've been leaning back into Rashad Penny and. And basically any uh, format I can, because I think Rashad Penny's going to have an opportunity to have a big season, you know, a la Miles Sanders last year. But, um, you know, for how long? You tell me, Memphis. How long can this even last? Uh, 4.5 games. <laughs> 4.5 right. games. I'll take the under. Under. I was going to say I'm, three I'm, was kind of what I thought, <laughs> yeah. but four and a half. Let's do it. Well, Memphis, we'll, Memphis, the question really is, I mean, DeAndre Swift right now goes ahead of him in every format. Is this about the flip? I think it should. I mean, DeAndre Swift is the kind of guy in Dynasty I'm going to be looking to get midseason. I really want Penny. This is this is that long-range evil mastermind scheme plan kind of thing that I have going on is I really hope Penny comes out like gangbusters because I really want to be acquiring a lot of DeAndre Swift around mid-October because, A, Penny's going to get hurt, and then Swift is going to be a free agent next year. And in March, if he lands in any of these prime spots, maybe he could – because Pollard's on a one-year deal. Maybe he goes to Dallas. Maybe he goes to L.A. Chargers to replace Austin Eckler. There are so many places he could go, and this dynasty value is going to get that rocket ship strapped to it. So to tie this back to Penny, no, I don't want him. I don't want him on a contender. I don't want him on a train. I don't want him on a boat. I don't want him on a goat. I do not want him with green eggs and ham on my dynasty rosters, but I will be using his hopefully early success to get me some more cheap DeAndre Swift. Yeah, we're not supposed to – hey, Alan, we're not supposed to predict injuries, right? That's the old thing. 
you know, it's the it's the fool's errand. But with Rashad Penny, kind of feels like there's no other yeah, way I'm, this I'm, can end. I'm not going to predict the weather in Seattle, but if I say rain, I got a good shot. Got yeah, a good yeah, shot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Death taxes and Rashad Penny missing a lot of games. Yeah. But uh, guys, is is Rashad Penny? Let's say he does have. He comes out in September and he lights it up. I mean, is this the typical type of guy you want to sell to a team that's up to a three and four and start? Give me that late first for Rashad yes. Penny in early October, Jax. Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, any first ever for Rashad Penny at this point would be an absolute W. And uh, yeah, for sure. That's that's easy, easy stuff. Right. Yeah. But in Memphis, do you think that that is an attainable price? Like in season, remember, in season is different than startup season. People are yep. thinking, I need a running back. I got to win. Yeah. You, when, when you trade future picks, you're trading future currency for current results. So yep. that 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 it's like a bond that hasn't matured yet. I I am all about it. I will send my second to get you know your first. And and I hate this. So I speak with forketh tongue, but I hate the the constant narrative on Twitter. It drives me crazy. Trade for twenty four first. Trade for twenty four first. It drives me absolutely insane. But if this if there is ever a year to try to get additional lottery tickets in the in the first round, it's this year. Especially if you play super flex like most of us do because you're going to have Caleb Williams. We continue to hear great things about Drake May. We've got Marvin Harrison Jr. we got Bowers if you play tight end premium, and I've yet to mention a single running back. So normally I hate the narrative chase first-round picks, chase, but due to the quarterbacks and the Marvin Harrison Jr., 24 firsts are going to be worth quite a bit. So I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm in on that deal moving penny for any first, even if i got to add a little bit to my end. Jax, the uh, you know the average dynasty player is pretty smart nowadays. Though it's like, how are you going to get that done when everybody knows that next year is you know basically draft capital Bitcoin? You might not be able to, right? I mean, at the end of the day, uh, each league is its own thing. I, I you know we play in Alan. Well, you know this. We play in leagues that are so freaking sharp, right? And but I'm sure you play in home leagues or leagues with friends from like your hometown or college buddies or whatever right you know dudes from work or whatever you know and those who those of us who do play in those leagues or those of us who play in both leagues know there's definitely a different economy from league to league so you definitely want to play the economy you're in and if you, you know you you said something huge Theo's going to be on my show this week and one of the topics we're going to be talking about is how to play these running backs and you guys just mentioned it with Rashad Penny but you look at like um you know can you trade him for, for I don't know what you're going to be able, be able to trade Rashad Penny for, but you mentioned something super, super important. That is that the, the economy preseason is so much different than the economy in season because once players start scoring points, their values are very, very fluctuating. You know, they're, you know, Rashad Penny could, could skyrocket or he could be dust. Like if he blows out some sort of hamstring and he's off to the side, he's worth literally zero. Nobody's going to trade for him for anything, but you're right. If he scores two touchdowns, goes over hundred yards in two consecutive games, all of a sudden who knows exactly what he's worth. So yeah, that's when you want to pounce. So it's hard to know exactly what will happen, but I, I do like Memphis's point that Rashad Penny could be that asymmetrical upside, you know, flip for a pick uh, early in the season. Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah, once upon a time, I paid a first-round pick, I think a season and a half ago, for Leonard Fournette on a team that needed a second running back. And now it seems gross, but he did get me to the Final Four in my fantasy football playoffs. And ultimately, we want to get value for our picks. But, you know, at some point, you need to score fantasy points. Guys, you, uh, you know, you were just talking about trading in an economy. And, and later on today, I don't want to uh, skip the uh, the main the headline here, is we're going to talk about trading tactics 
kind of shady trading tactics and one to be careful of collusion you know i mean we hear about it all the time i've never seen it in any of our leagues but we'll uh we'll talk about different trading tactics that have worked for us that other tactics that just no longer work you're not fooling anybody and how to build credibility in your league but first before we do that we're going to just take a quick word from our sponsor at rival Oh, baseball season's heating up. It's all about baseball right now. You know, eh, baseball, baseball. Yeah, baseball is the most exploitable of the sports, especially on Rival Fantasy, rivalfantasy.com. Go there now. They have the fantasy book where you can take over under a certain number of fantasy points, and they have challenges where you can take player X or player Y. I get great pleasure out of fading Mike Trout into oblivion. And then don't forget about fantasy bingo, where you can say, okay, I think Acuna's going to steal a base today. I think that Freddie Freeman's going to have two hits based on the matchup. The lefty-righty and the pitcher-quality matchups that you could exploit are unlike any other sport. Go to RivalFantasy.com. Use the promo code PLAYER. They refund any losses up to 50 bucks, and they are a great supporter of Player Profiler. Everything we do, this show in particular, is only possible because of Rival. RivalFantasy.com. The promo code is PLAYER. Nice haircut on, on Matt there. I mean, he had it crisp. <laughs> crisp. Fresh fade. Podfather cleaned up. Yep. A- AI does wonders. AI does wonders. A quick reset, boys. I'm Alan Zislowski of Rotowire.com, moderator of the Sonic Truth podcast for Crossover Week, where we swap hosts in and out of shows. I'm here with Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. Jax, we didn't even get a chance, man. How you doing here? Are you enjoying being on the Player Profiler Network? Uh, what's been going on over the last few weeks since you've been a part officially of the Player Profiler family of shows? I appreciate that. Yeah, it's just it's just cool. I mean, I've always been a fan of what Matt's doing here. And, you know, as I'm sure you guys are, too. That's why we're all here. Right. You know, we understand that he's got a vision. He's a little bombastic. But, you know, I like that, you know, so it's a lot of fun to be part of the feed. And, uh, you know, my shows remain the same. Uh, We're having a lot of fun with the show. And, you know, it's a lot of hard work to make sure that show stays good. And I have uh, increased demand to make sure it stays good. So we're going to work real hard to make a great show. Memphis Young, you've been uh, crushing it on the Dynasty War, Dynasty Warzone on Sunday nights. You've lied, but I usually watched on the replay. Um, have you seen the Barbie movie yet? Oh, I I will tell you that I've listened to uh, Mr. Matt Kelly for a long time, and he he has always said this is the most intelligent, sharpest audience in all of fantasy consumption, and and so far he could not be more accurate. The the, the people that tune in here at Player Profiler have been tremendous of support in the live chats when we go live on Sunday nights. The number of downloads just could not have made the better decision because, you know, Jerry and my co-host Jerry Sinclair and I have been doing this for about five years. We had some options of places we could have, you know, taken the Dynasty War Zone, but we 100% landed where we're supposed to be. And uh, I get to hang out with cool people like you. I don't know if he heard the question, Jax. I think I missed it. I think I think I may have missed a barb. Did you see the Barbie movie? Uh, you know, the Alan, Barbie movie? I, I, I was wondering if I had to take over the Matt role of belittling you this entire show, <laughs> and I might start doing it. I mean, what the hell are you asking about Barbie? You get these two I mean, amazing people on your show, and you're asking us these ridiculous questions. The people want to hear us talk about Rashad Penny. Well, I yeah. mean, I, I mean, first of all, we could talk about Margot Robbie. I, ha- I have zero, well, zero issue talking about that. I'm, I'm not a, what's that, that dude's name in the movie? 
Um, uh, I don't know. It doesn't even matter. He's 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 nameless um, jobber okay. number two. Uh, was, but but Oppenheimer also. There was plenty either. of Barbie uh, Barbie dolls in my home growing up. I had sisters. You know, the oh, biggest question about Barbie is, you know, why didn't she have any nipples, right? I mean, that's basically, you know, it's, they smoothed them out. You never saw a naked Barbie oh, doll? Oh, oh yeah, I, I have cousins, uh, you know, but it's like, well, they sanded them off with a belt sander. They <laughs> oh, left Jesus. more than nipples off, though, didn't you know, they? I mean, I, I, there's I, a lot of things right. missing from the uh, anatomically incorrect, uh, you know, action figures. This yeah. is probably the wrong time to, to bring this up, but there's never a wrong time to bring up a good story. So years and years ago, I worked at Dick's Sporting Goods, and all the, uh, all the Nike mannequins had nipples. Hmm. And we literally had a customer complain that all the Nike mannequins, and I was just like, a, like an hourly clerk at this time, and my manager called me over, and right in front of the customer says, I need you to get a, a, a sander and sand all the nipples off the mannequins. Don't tell us about your fetishes, Memphis. All right, guys. I, well, I, I, thought, I thought I was among friends. <laughs> yeah, you were like, what do I get to do? I was told to sand all the nipples off of the uh, the mannequins. That's, yeah, that's yeah. a real job. It's in, my jo- it's, it's, it's in my resume. Do you have that in your resume? I do not. But you know who's got a big resume with a big bag and a big paycheck is Justin Herbert. Guys, what we need to talk about now that he has that 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 job security, that five year of untouchable. He's he. We already knew he was good. I mean, he wasn't going much lower than pick five or pick six in our dynasty superflex startups. Before Joe Burrow gets the bag, I mean, is Justin Herbert or Jalen Hurts? I mean, is he the QB three in dynasty now? Is he the QB four? Do you say? Well, what difference does it make once you have that locked in five year deal here? That does change things, doesn't it, Jax? Um, for a guy like Herbert, not really, um, you know, for a guy like, you know, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones in that area, I think that's where it starts to move things. Like, you know, if Tua got a big, long contract, all of a sudden it feels a lot better, but I thought Herbert was a solved equation. So, I mean, the the contract is just a formality in my, in my humble opinion. Um, Memphis, where do you put him then? Are you still taking Joe Burrow ahead of him? Are you taking Jalen Hurts ahead of him? We're we're looking at... This is the the fishbowl mentality of Dynasty. We ignore what he did the first two years where he scored like 21, 22 fantasy points a game, and we could only hyperfixiate on the fact that he scored like 16 last year. He was hurt. He broke ribs or had rib cartilage or or whatever it is. We ignore that he's thrown 94 touchdown passes in his first three years, second most all-time in a three-year window. And I believe that he broke Andrew Luck's record for the most passing yards in the first three years of his career. And he did that last year largely with an unhealthy Mike Williams and a largely unhealthy Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, ironically, played less games than Brian Robinson, who was shot in the preseason. So – you know, he gets his weapons back at least to start the season. Whether you like Quentin Johnson or not, it doesn't matter. He's additional help. They brought back Austin Eckler at least for one more year. And then they brought in the uh, the guy that I've heard called the, the joystick. He's the video game guy. He's Kellen Moore. And they're going to put the ball in the air, and this is going to be a fun offense. I went Justin Herbert as my QB1 in the Scott Fishbowl. I think a lot of people are overlooking his first two years and think that last year is what he was. I'm super stoked on Justin Herbert. Give it to me. Mahomes, Allen, Herbert. Jax, I know that player profiler is a little bit down on Quentin Johnston, but when you have a locked-in QB like this, and like you said, it was a formality of the contract, but now we know for sure that Quentin Johnson is going to spend the next half decade playing with Justin mm-hmm. Herbert. What does that do for his fantasy value, uh, dynasty value? We don't know that because we thought Nikhil Harry was going to play with Tom Brady for more than one year. Um, You never know, right? So if he's a complete bust, which I know, you know, I've given Matt a lot of credit for just 
kind of saying he's going to bust. Um, I think he has a lot of bust characteristics and bust traits. I am super nervous about Quentin Johnson. I have been the whole time. You know, he's tantalizing, but at the same time, you know, for the, a lot of the reasons Matt gives, he's very, very, um, you know, very dangerous prospect. I Herbert QB three. Uh, that's a that's a bold take. I, I'm okay with it. I don't have an issue with it. We talked about it on a pod a few weeks ago. How you know last year, bef- uh, preseason before the season, uh, you know it was it was actually a question. It went Allen one, and I was on the clock second. And I had a conversation with my co-manager in a, in a big league about whether to take Mahomes or Herbert. I ended up taking Mahomes, but the point was is that previous to last season. That's where Herbert was. And so I, I do agree with Memphis that one season shouldn't change our perspective that much. But I do put him in at least the same, um, you know, group with, you know, with Burrow. I do have Burrow ahead, but it's super close. I would I would not have an issue with either one of them. Quite and it's a, it's a lazy narrative. It's a lazy narrative that, you know, one has to be better than the other. But they're all in like right. a similar tier for me. You yes. know, it's, it's for me, and I know people want to anoint, including our good friend, Matt, the podfather. We want to anoint Jalen Hurts as the one. For me, you know, Ric Flair said it best. You got to to be the man. You got to beat the man. And Josh Allen has finished the last three years as QB one, QB one, QB two, and he missed a game last year because of the 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 issue with Cincinnati and that Monday Night Football game. So Josh Allen's been riding high for three years. You got to respect Patrick Mahomes and what he does. Then those all those other guys, Burrow, Herbert, Hurts, those guys are in that next bucket. And if you get one of them, especially in a startup, you're damn lucky to have any of the three. So we're splitting hairs amongst guys that don't have a lot of that, but just uh, just some, some really good you know pieces there. Well, remember, these are decisions that people need to make on the clock. That's why these are not splitting hairs. These are real decisions that form the rest of your dynasty league. Like, let me give you an example of value here. Jax, if, if you saw a trade that was Trevor Lawrence and a 24 first for Justin Herbert, which side of that are you going to be on? Trevor Lawrence. And yeah, Trevor Lawrence for sure. Look, I think Trevor Lawrence is actually in that Herbert Burrow tier as a quarterback, um, not necessarily as a fantasy asset yet, which is why I have him behind them in dynasty startups. But I think he's creeping up. Last year, I said that you know I would have traded you know um, uh, Kyler Murray for Lawrence plus, and of course now it's the other way around. So that was you know watching Lawrence, you know that he's going to ascend, and he's been ascending you know, pretty consistently since he got out of this sticky finger situation with Urban Meyer. So now that he's out, <laughs> cleared that hurdle, uh, you know, he's only been better and better and better. And, and so I think he's, I think he's just a, that kind of player and he's going to be uh he's going to be great. So I would and absolutely I, I, smash Trevor Lawrence. I pulled it up as, as uh, in his second year, he finished as QB two behind Josh Allen. So he's already got that on his resume. He's, he's about he's, Herbert. I'm talking about Justin Herbert. Yeah. Yeah. He scored. I mean, I'm going basic fantasy scoring 22.4 points a game about a point behind Josh Allen that year. And that was the year Josh Allen scored 400 it was interesting. points. Yeah, it was interesting that uh, that Jax brought up the Herbert versus Pat Mahomes thing, because that was a thing last year. And Pat Mahomes just had like his normal good year, and Herbert had mostly like a, a down year compared to his first year. Uh, I think things now are, are stabilized, normalized a little bit. But when we're talking quarterbacks and dynasty, you can't not think about the San Francisco 49ers situation. We received news that Brock Purdy has been cleared for training camp. I guess Memphis, I'll go to you here. Does that mean that he's going to be healthy and ready to play, or does that mean that he's going to be participating in training camp? And with the assumption you're making, what dynasty values are you signing here? What uh, what are the actionable pieces of buys and sells for this one? Well, 
I do think he's the starter. I think they, they said back in March that he's earned the opportunity to be the starter. That's not my words. That's the, the words of the front office and the head coach. So to me, it looks like he's going to be the starter. I think I don't have the game splits pulled up, but if you look at the game splits of George Kittle with and without Brock Purdy, they're night and day. So if you're needing to tight end, maybe the the GM that has Travis Kelsey in your league has just been a pain in your ass the last two or three years, and you need someone on that level, go look at George Kittle. He's still only a lot, 28, 29 years old, and for tight ends, he could have four or five more good years. And, and Purdy makes everybody affordable, right, because he doesn't make anything. He's Mr. Irrelevant. He makes chicken scratch compared to the rest of those guys. So for me, I've always been in on Purdy. And I also like it for Ayuk. Ayuk was one of my guys. We do a lot of the little 10-minute videos here on the Player Profiler YouTube channel that, you know, go buy this guy or here's my dynasty buys. And, and I'm big on Ayuk. You can keep Debo. I think he was a fluke. He's the fluke, and I want Brandon Ayuk. How about that? Those are my two pieces of actionable advice in 2023. I'd rather have Ayuk over Debo, and I'd rather have uh, George Kittle with Purdy over a lot of tight ends right now. I mean, Tied in three, maybe because I still love uh, Andrews, and you got to respect Kelsey. I was going to say you would take Kittle over Hawkinson in Dynasty. I would because we don't know what role that that Jordan Addison. I mean, listen, I, I mean, I can have George Kittle and all the money he's won me, or I can chase the eight game sample that I saw with with TJ Hawkinson in yeah. Minnesota. Except the variables change because we added a guy who's going to be working in that same quadrant of the field. And we don't know what the role of the passing game is going to be. And we don't know where Kirk Cousins is going to be plying his trade next year. So I like the eight-game sample I saw with TJ Hawkinson. I just think there's a lot more variability in there. So I'll, I'll lean Kittle. But, yeah, Hawkinson's my four. Yeah, Jax, I'll push this back to Brock Purdy for a moment here. Yeah. His value is obviously going to go up. You know, I mean, he's going to now be traded, you know, a tier above the Jordan loves probably around QB 15 to 20 ish, you know, depending on what your uh, league values him. But really, I guess you can talk about that. But I'm really interested to what is this a buying opportunity for Trey Lance at this point? Come on now. This has been a hobby horse. <laughs> this has been a hobby horse, a topic for me on my show. I ask everybody for, for years now, literally for years, is Trey Lance good? And everybody would just cite the same rhetoric. And, and I'm, I'm not saying he wasn't good, but he has been overvalued almost the entire time. And now all of a sudden people want to buy back into him at quarterback 32 pricing. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. If you want to do that, I guess. But, you know, this is there – there was so much – Memphis said it, man. They were There was some damning information that came out. Like, think of it this way. The moment Brock Purdy gets hurt, he has like two surgeries to face. One is like Tommy John, which is like the full fix. And he would have missed, you know, most of the year, if not all of it, probably would have been a 2024, you know, return. Instead, he opts for the short, you know, fix, which is a little more risky for him, but he's got a, then he gets a chance to play and earn a contract. Well, either way, it's like a pretty tenuous situation. He might not be ready for week one at that moment. They didn't know which, which one he was going to choose. And what did the front office say? They didn't say like it would have stood to reason that the third pick of the draft would have been they would have been like Trey Lance is going to get his chance now. We're going to see what he can do. Twenty twenty three. We're going to see Trey Lance when Purdy's ready. He's going to compete for the job. But we're going to see what you know Trey Lance can do. That's not what they said. They said as soon as he hurt his arm, he's, he has no arm. They're like Purdy's a starter. It's like wow. And, a, and yeah, they went out and signed Sam Darnold to yeah. a fairly decent backup contract and. That was on like thought, the first day of free agency, too. Yes, and, and, and I fall, and 
Kyle Shanahan has always been smitten with Sam Darnold. That's a, a pretty known commodity. And I try to get out of the fantasy and dynasty space sometimes and just read beat writer stuff. And don't be surprised if Trey Lance is not listed as the third string quarterback on this team because he does not play the same stylistic game that Kyle Shanahan wants to coach. Right. Purdy plays a style I, of game I, that, that I think Sam he, I, Darnold. Look, Memphis, I'm going I'm to push back on this one. I think he's going to be second on the depth chart, right I, behind I, right behind Kyle Juszczyk. He, yeah, he might be the new fullback, fullback too. Fullback and, and, too. And, you know, yep. can I do some shameless cross promoting on crossover week? The uh, Alan, is that okay? Yeah, okay, whatever. I, I mean, because of the Podfather's coming on the Dynasty War Zone on Sunday. Nice. And, and one of the topics that we're going to cover is we're going to cover Devi. We're going to cover um, cognitive dissonance, and that's exactly what Trey Lance truthers still have. Their core belief is so strong that Trey Lance was going to be a thing that regardless of how much information we provide them to the contrary, they cannot let go because that core belief is so strong at them that he is good at football. They refuse to believe. Here's what I'll tell you about acquiring Trey Lance. A mistake that doesn't go corrected counts now as two mistakes. You know better than to acquire Trey Lance. So if you do it, don't blame us. Don't blame Jax. Don't blame Alan. Don't blame me. You have no one to blame but yourself. Well, I'm going to take a little bit of the opposite stance, but you're, I think there's a caveat here is that, like, for example, I just I acquired Trey Lance in a Superflex league um, the other day for Rashad Bateman, right? I mean, you could, there's still, to me, it's like Rashad Bateman, he could make my lineup, he could not. There's a lot of problems around him. If there, you know, even if you're calling Trey Lance a 5%, a 10%, a 15% chance to hit, if it hits, it's going what, to be what significant. Draft did you get along with Trey Lance to even that one out? No, I mean, obviously nothing. It was a one-for-one. One. I'm only giving yeah, you shit. No. Well, yeah, because Trey Lance is Carson Wentz with lesser NFL stats and a better PR team. Yeah, I just, I, we don't know yet is really the answer. We, like, we haven't seen it. That's the thing. You know, it's it's been a string of bad luck, but I don't have definitive. And again, I'm with you guys. I'm not drafting him. I'm not, you know, but this was the, in the my inbox. The thing about it, though, Alan, the thing about it, Alan, is like if he had been like this sleeping giant, right, who would know that? It, you would think that Shanahan and the the front office and team, uh, you know, the coaching staff in, in in San Francisco would know that. And so if they knew that, if they're like, man, we're sitting on it, we're sitting on it, we got the guy. Just had some bad luck. He's saying what you're saying, bad luck, all the rest of it. What would they be doing? Not what would they be saying. What would they be doing right now? They'd be shoving him in the lineup. I mean, I, have, you're, I mean, I have one last question for you though. Who was the assistant GM in San Francisco and is now working in Tennessee and drafted Will Levis? Rand Carthen. And it was completely transparent that he was on the block during the draft. And Rand Carthen said, no, thank you. I'll take Will Levis. D'Amico Ryans left San Francisco in that building, went to Houston, had the opportunity to not trade back. He could have taken Will Anderson, still took Will Anderson at the defensive end, and then traded for Trey Lance. Rand Carthen's been around Trey Lance. And so has D'Amico Ryan. Both of them had the opportunity to pick him up for, for cheap. Both of them said, nah, we're good. We'll go with Will Levis and, and we'll trade our we'll mortgage our future to go get CJ Stroud. Sorry. I I people can that I, can have been I pick around that him, real quick, Memphis. Sure. Um, I just want to say on my program, the undrafted, thank thanks to Felix Sharp, who said it when there was zero percent chance. He probably could have gotten thirty thousand to one that Will Levis was not going to go in the first round. And uh, we were saying it all off season, and we were called dummies, idiots. He's going in the top five. I just want to say here and now, you're welcome, America. 
Yeah, hopefully you made some money with that one. Talk yes, about sir. anchoring to priors, guys. I mean, I am anchoring. I yes, cannot un, uh, not unsee that one play, that one game that Kadarius Tony had. And had it not been for that game, I think it was against Dallas. I don't remember exactly. We would probably think of Kadarius Tony in a very different way. Gets a little tweak in the preseason. Now they're like, he might be ready for week one, but probably not. I mean, here we, it's it's better it happened now. It, before your redraft leagues have, have popped off, but Jacks Dynasty, Kadarius Tony is are you are you running back into that burning building? What if somebody is right now is offering you like a third round pick, like a good team? Just you know, I'll take him off your hands right now. Is are you ready to buy cheap, or if you hold, are you holding him? If you have him, what should Dynasty managers do with this current news? I mean, I am Kadarius Tony, zero shares, zero cares. I'm in twenty Dynasty leagues. I have zero. He has always been overvalued. He was overvalued famously by the by the the old man in this in this in the uh, from Charlie Casserly wrote in his pre-draft uh, mock draft that that Kadarius Tony was a better prospect than Justin Jefferson ever was. I mean, this is an NFL head. This was after Justin Jefferson's rookie season. He then said Kadarius Tony was a better prospect than Justin Jefferson ever was. Kadarius Tony's been overhyped the whole time. He's been steamed up. He was more Lynn Bowden than he was anything else. And, you know, at the end of the day, Kadarius Tony is an awesome football player, but he's he's injury riddled, obviously, as which is unfortunate. But even past that, I famously called him Cadaver the Tony and now Pinocchio. Uh, he was dead to me and he's not a real wide receiver. But all those things just come from a fact that he is a he is lightning in a bottle when he's got the ball. He can do some spectacular things, but he is not a consistent down-to-down wide receiver in the NFL, which is why he didn't play a full snap share with Kansas City, and it's why the New York Giants traded him. Th- this was a solved equation. So anybody who's buying into Kadarius Tony, at least know what you're getting. You're getting a gadget player who could f- grow into more, but that's all he is. And unfortunately, we get we get um, you know enamored with shiny objects and. That's all you've got here. I mean, unfortunately, that's just the truth of who he is. Memphis. I mean, I was treating Kadarius Tony like he was Will Fuller. Basically, could win you the week. I mean, that was my mindset before this injury. I, I am readjusting again. But he was Will Fuller. You, you don't know if you're getting four games, six games, zero games. But when he was in there, he does have week winning, not league winning upside, week winning upside. W-E-E. Memphis, I'll let you go. But, Alan, that's a good point. He's harder to put into a, a, a managed lineup. In a best ball situation, he because he's so explosive, he does have spike week production. So I'll, I'll give you that. But Memphis, go right ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're good. Um, when I see Kadarius Tony, I think of not good Percy Harvin. Like per- Percy Harvin was good, and Bingo. he's not good. He's not good Percy Harvin. For me, I got a little nugget for for all the the Sonic Truth listeners that I have not even shared on the Dynasty Warzone yet. But I want you guys to remember this: training camp started. By the time that you hear this. Almost every team's back in camp. Remember, every bit of news, if it's good, it's really half as good as they're actually portraying it. And if it's bad, it's twice as bad as they're actually leading on. So when they tell you that Kadarius Tony's fine, it was just a tweak, well, it was actually twice as bad because to Jax's point, he may be ready for week one. And when Javante Williams or, you know, a guy like that is back and, you know, he's not starting on the pup, that's good news. But he's not going to be an optimal performance and probably until the middle of the season. So remember, if it's good, it's probably half as good as they're telling you. And if it's bad, it's twice as bad as they're telling you. But I don't want any part of your boy, Kadarius Tony. I, I saw someone calling Mr. Glass 
if you've saw the the movie, uh, the M Night Shyamalan movie with uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Bruce Willis, he's Mr. Glass. He just Glass can't show stay healthy. From Glass show from Punch Out. Do you know who the oh. rapper Young Joker is? You guys, either one of you know Young Joker? Young Jock. I'm not no, no, Young Joker. Young Joker. Uh, Young I'll, Joker. I'll, throw the, I'll throw it in the Googles. Young Joker is Kadarius Tony. He's got an album out, so if you, that's probably what he's going to be doing for the next few weeks. It's. Uh, I heard it yesterday. It's not bad to tell you the truth. It actually is not. It's not great. On it's a scale bad. of one to Lev Bell, where do you put it? I actually liked Lev Bell as a, as a rapper. I like. I love Shaq was my all time favorite athlete course, rapper too. Shaq was good, man. You know. Yeah. Uh, guys, I am interested not just in these young players. Uh, we have to talk about some veterans. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is I, – I did not think that the narrative on him, the value on him would be as split as it is. To me, this screams like uh, a guy who's lined up for 8 to 10 targets a game that would get him around 150. The quality of the targets, we can argue. But I, I see – you know, the other side of the argument, Jax, is – A.J. Brown only got six targets a game, and maybe, and that didn't really work, right? I mean, they just relied too much on Derrick Henry. So let's start off with the outlook for this year, because that's important, and then we'll get into our dynasty value of DeAndre Hopkins, Jax. I think you kind of said exactly who he is all in one breath out of both sides of your mouth, which is that he is a target earner, will continue to be a target earner, and... Um, that, that part can't go away. But what is interesting is, is whether or not he is actually um, – uh, does he have ceiling? Well, his ceiling is greatly diminished by being in Tennessee compared to if he went to Buffalo or Kansas City. So uh, I think that's, that, that's right. He's going to see a lot of target share because that's who he is. Obviously, health aside, we, we, if we assume he's healthy for 17 games, yeah, I agree with you. He's going to see 140 targets. And um, you know what's the ceiling on that? I'm not sure. Would you trade for him? Say like an uh, right now, if, um, Memphis in your dynasty league. You're just say you're you know you're competing. You know you don't know if you're like the number one team, but someone just says, hey, I'll give you uh, uh hey, give me D. De- uh, sorry, they want to trade you DeAndre Hopkins. They'll take on Kadarius Tony and like you know like a fourth or fifth round rookie pick. Do you? T- it's a snap call I see from Jax. How about you, Memphis? Uh, if I can get, I'm, I'm not a DeAndre Hopkins guy, but if it costs me a third and Kadarius Tony, I'll break my phone trying to accept that trade so <laughs> yes. fast. Right. I'm like, how now, soon? Let me, let me give you another one. What if someone says, because someone that has a, some good hype right now is Sky Moore, and would you trade away Sky Moore for DeAndre Hopkins? Not, not in a bajillion years. I heard the trade you guys were talking about. I actually, you know, tweeted you guys last week because hearing all the Sky Moore talk actually, you know, is is very exciting. I think he's the one you want. I know our our boy Ray Garvin, Ray GQ, has been on the Rishi Rice train. I'm not necessarily there. No, sir. uh, Sky Moore is uh, one of my favorite breakout candidates this year. So, no, I'm not big on DeAndre Hopkins, period. If I can get – if I can send – again, this is going to be my move to get rid of some of these older guys. You're going to hear a lot of Penny in a a second, DeAndre Hopkins in a second. I'm just going to start trying to move these guys. I've seen this movie before. I've seen 30-plus Andre Johnson go to the Titans and not work out. I've seen 30-plus-year-old Randy Moss go to the Titans and, and not work out. It just is, doesn't always work at, at all. And then you got Ryan Tannehill, so the quarterback situation's tenuous to begin with. I think this is just Mike Vrabel having more input on the overall team-building decision. He thinks that his team's still the team that finished first in the AFC a couple of years ago. He thinks he can beat Jacksonville, and he thought he was a, a – wide receiver one away from chasing that division. So he may get some volume. I don't think that's a very good offense. So I would just prefer to stay away from 31-year-old DeAndre Hopkins, also who doesn't like to practice. Memphis, are you high right now? 
Um, you, no, why? I, I, okay, I thought the eyes were squinting yeah, a little bit, right? I like a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little I, bit. Um, I'm just I'm just old and tired. Right, do you believe him, Jax? I don't believe anything he just said, and I would definitely trade Sky more for DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> if 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 DeAndre Hopkins is like going to play in a flex or you know or wide receiver three spot for a team that's otherwise kind of made it. You know, I, I look, I see the Sky Moore thing, but there is Rashi Rice, and there's also another alpha there who was at one point my wide receiver one in his own draft class, who everybody is starting to get on the hype train. Scott Barrett literally leading that charge, and that's Justin Ross. And so Justin Ross is the most talented player in that in that wide receiver group. Whether or not he's able to rekindle what he was, that I don't know. He's he's gone through some serious injuries and some I, I had one, I had once tweeted that he'll never play football again uh, back a couple of years ago whenever the neck thing happened and so yeah that that that's not a, a sure bet but if he gets back on the field he's definitely a better he was a better prospect without question than Sky Moore or Rashi Rice yeah I think that it right now it's a big mystery who's going to be a wide receiver that's you know not only just you know gets fantasy value but predictable fantasy value like you know if you have Richie James on your roster right now are you going to start him in the weeks that he actually produces it's a really tough one so we're I'd gonna say need none of them you know yeah. we, we talked about it Jordan McNamara and I talked it on talked about it on my show and it was like None of them. You know, you're probably going to see four, five, six, maybe wide receivers on that team between 400 and 700 yards receiving. Yeah, unless there's an injury, obviously, to clear it up. But that makes a lot of sense right now, which is why Travis Kelsey is still uh, such a highly valued both dynasty and redraft asset. Yep. Uh, Memphis, I want to uh, change the topic a little bit here. I want to talk about tight ends for a moment here. I used to, I'm seeing a lot of good hype around Sam Laporta, who was the sec, uh, was drafted in the second round. And, you know, we did a lot of early dynasty drafts where Dalton Kincaid was a locked-in first-round Superflex rookie pick, and Sam Laporta sometimes didn't go to the end of the second round. If it was a premium or double, he would push up a little bit. Are you starting to rethink the order that Kincaid, Michael Mayer, and Sam Laporta should be drafted in in your rookie drafts? He's still three for me, and I would not be surprised. He's still three for me because I got to factor in the offense, the quarterback, all the things, similar draft capital. I would not look be surprised if we look back a year from now and Luke Musgrave had a better rookie season than, than Sam Laporta. I, Michael Mayer is going to compete right away. He's going to, you know, he's going to contribute right away. I mean, they, they continue to bring in pass catchers. Dalton Kincaid's going to contribute right away. And they turn around, they bring in Marvin Mims. They already have Jamison Williams. I know he's suspended, whatever. They have him. They they brought back Marvin Jones. They brought Jameer Gibbs in. And TJ Hawkinson never broke out in this offense. Why all of a sudden is, is Sam Laporta just going to be all of the things that we've ever wanted him to be? I don't get it. I don't think the, the offense is ever going to be like his I mean, and then, and, and then look look at me. I missed Amon Ross St. Brown. Look at all these other guys he's keep competing for targets with. I don't, I don't see it. Whereas in Vegas, Mayer's competing with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. Hey? Yeah. I mean, are you excited? Are you, are you worried about those guys stealing targets? You know, Dalton Kincaid, it's, it's really Stephon Diggs and it's wide open. And I, I can't say that for Sam Laporta. So he would stay three for me, although I do really like him. Jack, I mean, Memphis, put your guard up because here comes Jax with the counterpunch. I just tweeted recently based off of, you know, look, there was a, we, I liked all of them. I, Mayer was okay for me. I thought they were all in a, a bucket together. I had Kincaid as my uh, tight end one before the draft, right? Before the draft. And 
I got a little bit nervous when there were some things about Kincaid having a back injury and, um, you know, he was 220 pounds. I was like, wait, what? Um, but, you know, after the dust settled, he was drafted in the first round and, and, and everything was clear on his medical, so to speak, or at least as far as we know. Uh, certainly uh, when someone drafts him in a first round, I'm sure his medicals are okay. But I, I like Musgrave a ton. I, I by far am more overly exposed to Musgrave in this draft than any of them all because in the first round I was trying to take not Kincaid. If I had the Kincaid pick, I traded it for a future first on multiple occasions when uh, you know it was clear that Kincaid was next up. So I actually basically traded Kincaid for future first maybe two or three times in some of my rookie drafts. Then in the second round, I was basically with Jaden Reed, Marvin Mims late in the late in the you know uh, in the second and early in the second if A Chain or Kendra Miller were there. So that's kind of how I played the second. And then I was just smashing uh, Luke Musgrave, you know, in the third, which felt like that was great. I, I do have some Sam Laporta, and I do think Sam Laporta with the with the news that he's picking up the offense quickly and that he's he's starting to become part of the. Uh, you know, the, the, the leadership of the team. In other words, they trust him. To me, that says something. And, you know, he was one of those prospects that I thought was a high-level tight end prospect. If the team sees him that way, he can produce fairly quickly. I, I think he's up there with uh, – right now I'd have him pretty close to Kincaid. I probably have Kincaid a little lower than most people do, and I have Laporta a little higher. So for those reasons, they're in the same tier for me. My, my, my question, my, my pushback would be, is that whose expense does his volume come from? Is his volume because of the area of the field that he's going to work? It's going to be very similar to Amon Ross St. Brown. It's going to be very similar to Jameer Gibbs. And we don't know really what Jamison Williams' role. So his his targets, because I just did the research, the Lions have averaged 35 pass attempts per game. And uh, Jared Goff completes 66% of his passes the last two years. So two thirds, quick math, 25 completions a game. At whose expense does that volume come from? Yeah, that's it's it's an interesting point. Go ahead, I'll, I'll ask you. Uh, well, I, let me answer it, guy. Guy, this is why Matt gets so mad at you. This is what it is. You know, guy asked me a question. You you just want to move on. No, I'm only teasing. Uh, you know. Anyway, I'm not as good at belittling you as uh, Mr. Mr. Well, uh, Mr. Well, we like each Mr. other. I don't it's, like it's early, Matt. Doesn't, I, love early. I love I love Alan and I are like this is the first time we really pod together. We've spoken and done it all. I love this dude. Uh, yeah, so yeah. yeah, we're we're and we're, I feel. We're rock solid. Uh, give me a kiss. Give me a kiss, baby. Here, here we go. Um, maybe go. maybe there off the air. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tongue. Give me some tongue. Uh, we'll tongue kiss off the air. I think that's a yes. that's a deal. All right. All right. So the the answer to me sometimes is like you know the tight end position uh, at Detroit is not going to see zero targets because Jameer Gibbs is there, right? In other words, I think the tight what tight end is going to take targets from him? Yes, I would imagine that you know more of the intermediate stuff would go to a running back or a wide receiver than might normally go to a tight end. But tight ends are still going to get targeted in that offense, and there's no other tight end of consequence. So I think when it comes to – I would ask you this. What percentage of the tight end target share do you think Laporta gets? That's the one I think he gets a pretty fair share. Whether or not that share, the tight end share, is high in Detroit, that's a that's a different topic. But I, I don't think there's anybody who's going to play over Laporta or at least you know surely play over Laporta, if that makes any sense. Guys, in a two tight end league, I was on the clock in the first round the other day, and it was pick ten. And trust me, I wanted to take Zay Flowers. It was he was the obvious pick, but I did take Sam Laporta. Kincaid was gone. 
um, because of the two tight end format, I guess that drove it. But I was tr- starting to think that, you know, I-, I bought into the hype a little bit. Sam Laporta is a long-term prospect in any uh, format that's a little bit of a premium. Uh, I think it's it's not a bad bet to make. Uh, the situation in Detroit could always change. But early, you know, you talked about, like, if you hear good things, it's half of what it is. It's still, it's you'd rather hear good than bad. Guys, I want to stay on tight ends. Just to there give was, you a quick one, uh, there, were, there were just under 100 tight end targets in Detroit last year. Just under 100. So I, I actually had it at 136 because I'm looking at TJ Hawkinson had 43 and Brock Wright had 20. 93. How about, about Zilstra? Does he count? No. Brock no. Wright had how many? <laughs> According to Fantasy Pros, he had 93 total yeah, that's targets. That's not correct. He had 24. Oh, total 24. Targets. To, to, uh, yes, to, 93 total targets. Yes, I had that backwards. My apologies. 93 total targets to the tight end. TJ Hawkins had had 43. Brock uh, Brock Wright had 24. Yep, that's right. So I, I I I was giving you the total column. Yeah, 93 is not crazy. I mean, in other words, at some point or another, you know, do, do, does that go down, up? I mean, you, you got to think, you know, TJ Hawkinson had 43 in seven games. So playing in that offense, you know, I'm not saying that that's a, just pencil in, uh, you know, Laporta for that. I'm just saying, like, that's probably more likely than the Brock Wright, you know, 24 and 10, uh, 17 games. You know what I mean? I, I do think that they found that there was a hole at tight end after <laughs> – Hawkinson left um you know they were we'll tied see. for 27th uh, as a team uh, to the tight end so that's go. that that's my concern it's not it's not a it's not a talent deficiency it's a but how, how far how, that means they can't go very much further down uh you would think I mean you can't I, fall off the floor I've yeah. tried <laughs> well you meet Alan's done that too and good night recently in Vegas I've heard about Alan there yeah, you go. That's right. Yeah. Whatever happens in Vegas, guys. You know what that? You ever heard the uh, Bill Burr joke about like whatever happens in Vegas? What does that really mean? It, it means that, that you can fuck prostitutes. And, right. Yeah, he said right. it's that's the right. prostitute won't tell your wife. That's, that's what right. it really means. Right. right. Yeah. It's a great joke. Great yeah. joke. She signs uh, an NDA. That's right. No, goes, they just they agree not to take. Say. Right. He goes not like that little uh, little tramp in the salon in your hometown. That's right. right. She's gonna tell. Right. <laughs> hey, guys, I want to stay on tight ends, and it's not fantasy or dynasty significant that Jimmy Graham signs 36 years old to the New Orleans Saints, but it just, you know, Jawan Johnson was one of our favorite late round, you know, life preserver uh, tight ends. If you if you were just floating in the ocean and you really forgot about tight end and Jawan Johnson was sitting there in dynasty startup drafts, then they then they add uh, just they keep adding these bodies, uh, Foster Moreau. Now, Jimmy Graham, I don't even care about Graham and Moreau. I just want to know what this does, Memphis, for our Juwan Johnson upside hopes. It definitely uh, squashes the enthusiasm, but is this, I mean, it's it's apples and, and, and pomegranates, so so bear with me. But is, is this any different than Tim Tebow signing as a tight end in Jacksonville a couple of years ago? I mean, Jimmy it's Graham a, was a was an incredible that's tight the, end. That, you know? that's, the, that's the pomegranate to Tim Tebow's apple. But it still feels like it's just like an attention grab. I think Jawan Johnson's still the one that you want there. To me, it makes me think that they're not really thrilled about what they have in the intermediate and short passing games in, in New Orleans, period. Why else would you bring back a 36-year-old tight end? You're, you're, you're desperate. There's plenty of pass catchers out there on the market. So, I don't know. I thought this was a joke. I saw the thing about him riding the I – I did not – because I, it was working during the day when this happened yesterday. I had to check four different times to make sure I wasn't getting like a like a the fake satire Schefter. account. Yeah. Like a fake Scheffler. Yeah, I, was, I thought this was a joke. I mean, yeah. 
Someone's going to go Joe. pick him up, and, and you should in a two tight end league just to hedge your bets. Yes, Jimmy Graham. But yeah, if, if this can get you Jawan Johnson cheap, I'm I'm in. What's because cheap? they also they, they also saw like a third. Let me ask. Yeah, so let me ask. Like, you, like I, I never get Foster Moreau's there, and it looks like he's going to play. I I just had someone send me a trade offer for, and I'm ready to accept it here real quick. On, on air, that way I don't lose it after someone hears my take on this. So they offered me Jawan Johnson for somebody, but then I countered and I said, hey, Jawan Johnson for a second, and they, they declined. So they were trying to buy Jawan Johnson, wouldn't take a second. So you're saying you'd take a third, but here's the trade that's on the table. Would you rather have Jawan Johnson or Jelani Woods? Woods. Woods. Accepted. Because and I'll, I'll tell you why. Because I saw when we were talking about the Detroit – with the, the the Detroit targets to the tight end, you know Dallas Goddard had a great season last year. He did miss some games due to injury. Philadelphia also only had ninety three targets to the tight end, so you can have limited targets and still be successful. And the architect of that offense is now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. So Jelani Woods, uh, it, it would be an easy smash. Well, for me. is it fair to say that Woods is the upside guy, and and uh, and Jawan Johnson's a little bit more of a floor because he's Former yes. wide receiver PPR, and again, you're talking about a very minimal difference between floor and you know. That's These right. are scratch off lottery tickets, is what they are. You're just hoping yep. to, to, at least, to win a little something. If I told you one of those guys had ten touchdowns this year, we're all betting on that was Woods, right? Yeah, especially uh, six touchdowns. foot seven. Yes, yeah. six foot seven. And of course, yeah. if I said one of them had a hundred targets, I would think it might have been Jawan Johnson. But very well it, said. It, Yep. And, but at the end of the day, like Jawan Johnson, you're hoping he's sort of like the second coming of, of Darren Waller, right? Where it's like, you know, oh, man, late yeah. breakout wide receiver, you know, all of a sudden it's like he was way better than we thought he was the whole time. Whoopsie daisy. But Jelani, hey, he's younger. He's only in his second year. And, and, and he, Memphis laid out the case. So, you know, even if you're just trying to get younger at the position, I think it's worth um, pivoting off. And I just did. We promised people that we would talk about shady trading practices, and we're going mm. to do that. But before that, though, there's a few more things that I think are important for those. I mean, we take for granted that we've been in Dynasty startups since December, boys, but there's people that are getting them now. Over on the Rotowire, uh, the message boards in our Discord, we get people asking, how do I get into Dynasty startups? And they're all asking for these late-round QBs that they don't, they're not comfortable taking quarterbacks early. Not everyone does that like how we do it. So Jordan Love. Who, there was a quote lately, Jax, that he is in full command of the offense. Are you buying this? And also, does that strengthen your confidence in the wide receivers? And you know I'm going to ask you about Christian Watson. I, you know, I said it uh, on the show. I said the greatest thing that Christian Watson ever did, and he, it, it, he could do it here, is get two awful quarterbacks a lot of money. First he did it with Trey Lance, and now he might do it again with Jordan Love. What a success story Christian Watson is getting these guys money. Yep. There, and that's the, the take. And then Memphis, Jordan Love, if you're hanging out there and maybe you've taken Pat Mahomes number one overall in your Superflex League and you've ignored the position, and now you're into that 17-ish range, you're hearing the good reports, do you give Jordan Love a chance to be a top 15, a top 12 quarterback? Sure, I do. I think people are my, one of my bold takes on this show is going to be is I think Jordan Love's going to be everything that people wanted Trey Lance to be. I think I think this is a, a good offense. I think I think that he is a better than we've seen quarterback. And I think three years in the pros, developing, getting ready for this opportunity because he does have good weapons. He has Christian Watson. He has Romeo Dubes. He has, and I know it's Dobbs, but on my show he's always Dubes, so he's Dubes here too. He's got Jaden Reed. He's got Luke Musgrave. Are these household names? No. 
but I do believe that LaFleur can design a good offense to make him successful. Again, this is the, the, the offshoot of the Shanahan offense. And we've seen guys like Brock Purdy, guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot of subpar non-A-plus quarterbacks succeed in this offense, and I think Jordan Love will. And if I have a steady-as-she-goes QB1, a Mahomes, an Allen, a Herbert, a whatever, Jordan Love is a kind of upside flyer that if you miss on flyers like Anthony Richardson, he's the kind of guy that I, I, I want to have a share of, especially if I have a pro because then later – I'm going to come back and I'm going to hedge that bet with a Ryan Tannehill. I'm going to hedge that bet with a Derek Carr. Because if this experiment does not work out by weeks three or four, I want to have that veteran to plug in my QB2 spot. But yes, absolutely. I'm not going to pretend like I know exactly what Jordan Love is. So I, I'm I'm more bullish than most on Jordan Love. And I see how this could go wrong, though, too. The most successful Jordan Love could be is if he gets them uh, Caleb Williams. So hopefully, hopefully, ah. he's, hopefully he's a little worse than even I think he is. That was good. That was good. Very good. Yep. Uh, addition by subtraction. I get it. Uh, guys, I want to spend the next about ten or fifteen minutes though talking about trading because this is that's what goes on right around this time in dynasty fantasy football is trading. And you know we kind of made the joke about the word collusion. Um, Chax, have you ever, in any of the 20-plus leagues that you're in, have you ever seen collusion? Has, has anyone ever been called out? I mean, not bad trades. I'm talking about straight-up collusion. Not that I'm aware of. Um, exactly. That's yeah, my not point. that I'm aware of. I, I, there's been some some sketchy things, and sometimes guys <laughs> will talk a little bit, you know, but uh, I've never actually seen it really happen. I mean, the, the one that you got to be careful for is, of course, you know, fair trades that, two guys are just working together, which, mm. uh, you know, here I'm going to say it and hopefully I don't give anybody any bad ideas, but basically, you know, if, if Alan, if we're both in the same league and you just trade me, you know, a fair trade, you know, I give you my next two first round picks for Justin Jefferson. It seems fair, but I'm helping you win that league, so to speak, you know, and, and so that can be, uh, you know, nobody can say that wasn't fair. No one can, you know, but that's the one where you just got to you got to watch the relationships in the league and make sure that two guys aren't, you know, always trading together. You know, usually people who are really close have a harder time trading than they do an easy time trading because they hate each other. And they don't want to see that motherfucker win. So unless, you know, so that's where I keep an eye out, um, you know, usually know who knows who in a league. But outside of that, man, I, I don't see it very often at all. And, and uh, you know, you'd hate to see something like that ever happen. Memphis, you see it in every league constitution, collusion. They, they use it so much, but it never happens. So really, I guess the question to you is, can you think of an example where maybe it wasn't collusion, but it's in bad faith, an example that people should look out for? What's an example of in bad faith trading? Uh, for me, it's similar to what, what Jack said, but instead of doing it before the season, you do it at the trade deadline. But is, is it a bad trade or are you just – because? That's not collusion. First of all, the definition of collusion is is like the intent. That's the part of it. They intended to do the league wrong. I think a lot of times we confuse stupidity with collusion. Oh, that's a horrible trade. I'd never make it. First of all, about half the time, the, the guy who is on the wrong end of the deal ends up getting the right end of the deal. That's number one. That does and happen no, a and, lot. And number two, your opinion doesn't matter how someone else's trade goes. For yeah. me, it's the late in the year. Just like think about last year. If – you know, I was out of it, and on my roster, I had like Austin Eckler and like a veteran wide receiver that was doing well. Uh, I'm not going to say Justin Jefferson, but like whatever. And, and I trade my Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper, there you go. And and I trade you um, Austin Eckler and Amari Cooper, and I get back Brees Hall and Cooper Cup. I don't know if that deal necessarily gets done, but those are just guys that I can and remember that both, would do. 
They were both no, injured. Both yeah. right. I, I, I'm taking the two injured guys. Right. You're taking the two healthy guys. I just helped you win that league because Amari Cooper was hot down the stretch and Austin Eckler was hot. I just changed, but I didn't do it in bad faith. I'm getting rid of guys that maybe I don't love because I see Austin Eckler as like a 27, 28-year-old running back last year in L.A. Amari Cooper, God knows you know how long he can keep this shenanigan up. And I'm getting a guy that is like the RB1, 3, whatever. It depends on how you like. I know you don't like Brees Hall, Allen, but that's okay. No, I do uh, and, like Brees Hall. I don't like him in redraft not, in the third round. That's okay, the, okay. I love Brees Hall. But, 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 but those are, that, is, is that collusion? Or is that no. just two guys making a deal that helps both guys? One guy's like, I'm out of it. I might as well plan for the future. The other guy's like, or lady, is like, I'm going all in to win the money. Yeah, or they, no, that's not or collusion. They. Collusion is working together to help and one then, person. I, I, the only way it's yeah. collusion to me is if you're chopping the money. So me and Alan mm, are going to work. If, if, if me and Alan are working together, yes, it doesn't matter if the trade's good, bad, you like it, you don't. At the end of the no. day, if you can prove they're chopping the money, Right. Like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna defraud this league, and that's this, what it is. It's fraud. We're defrauding the league out of a thousand, two thousand, whatever, five fifty bucks. Who cares? It's money. This is like uh, Tony Soprano and uh, Assemblyman Zellman chopping yes, up the HUD money. A, 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 absolutely, yeah. we're gonna chop it up, and it's all said and done. Yeah. That's collusion. That's right. that's doing people wrong. Jax, yeah. what is one of the biggest mistakes you see people that are trying to get deals done do? And again, they may not be acting in bad faith, but what are some of the social etiquettes don'ts that we can warn people about that don't have a lot of experience in dynasty leagues i don't know that i, I mean I, i'd almost want to hear an example that you're thinking of for, be, for example give me an example okay how many times has someone come up to you and say what do you want for player x or something sure. like that and you're like yeah, I mean, dude right, right. i'm just sitting I, here I, minding my business i didn't know if now, it was bad etiquette or bad process because ultimately you're right etiquette. sometimes look for me bad etiquette I, I don't i don't really give a shit like people will, uh, this is one of my all right Someone sends you, you know, Jam they want your Jamar Chase and they give you two second round picks. I mean, that's and, right. Egregious, right? That's so a it's egregious. But but a lot of times what people will do is they go, so then I sent him, give me my Brees Hall for two fourths. And you're like, <laughs> right. well, why did you do that? Why not just decline and move on with your day? What's this got to be a whole thing? Like, to me, that's the dumbest thing. Like, people get so upset about receiving a bad trade. I've always said it. I'll say it again on this airwaves. You should be delighted. To get those trades well why is there's, only, there's only why. one of two reasons that this person sent that trade number one they think you're an idiot or number two they're an idiot okay either one of those two things i can exploit as a dynasty manager i can exploit you being an idiot and i can exploit you thinking i'm an idiot so why am i gonna lift the sheet off of that and make him think that i think he's an idiot no no i'll just continue to communicate with this person who clearly has a problem with understanding how trades work in dynasty leagues and i'm going to exploit that at some point because you know what that person if you, if you tell them to go f themselves you know what they do they stop sending you trades but you know what you do if you don't they send you trades and you know what they might do if they're an idiot they might send you a mistake right. and when they send you a mistake like he said you break your phone pressing accept and people go oh how the hell did you do that? I go offered and accepted motherfuckers. Like this is just how the game is played. So I never want to alienate or teach. I'm not going to teach that guy, send him a fucking, uh, the, 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 the trade calculator on the damn thing. Just let him send you the dumb trades and just say, ah, oh, that didn't quite work for me. Just keep rolling. Why are you taking it personal? That's the dumbest move. So there you go. That's a good, that's a really good example. Cause that happens a lot. So Memphis, let we'll me get ask upset. you. 
if you let me ask you this example another thing that's happened in in fantasy football leagues is that there was a mistake that happens let's say for example i'll give you a good one that's going to happen this year someone sends b robinson for b robinson B. Robinson for a second, it goes through, and they realize it's Bijan and not Brian Robinson. You're the commissioner. Let's say it go, a day goes by before someone notices. It's not like instantaneous. What are you doing there? I, I would like to think that we can <laughs> we can hash that out like gentlemen or oh, no, you know, no, no, c- no. civilized people. You haven't been I, in I've the d- streets. I, I, I've done it. I've, I've done it. I had a guy send me Lamar Jackson one time. He he clicked on a first and something else and. He forgot to click on the something else. And he sent me Lamar Jackson for that year's first in a super flex league, you know, and I was like, accept. And then he realized what he had done. And and he was like, I will quit this. And I made him stew for a good, you know, five, six hours. I was like, how how much can I make him sweat it? You know, that's going to be league to league dependent. I think there's, I would like to put myself in that other person's shoes. Hey, I've done it, you know. And I think it's just in good faith to go back and do it. But but it, it is on you. I've had it go both ways. I have sent the bad trade and forgot to click the additional asset, and it come back. And it, it, it does. So, you know, where mercy is shown, mercy is given. So I, I tend to do that and uh, work on it that way. Yeah, Jax, this happened last year in a league I was in. Someone dropped A. Brown thinking they were dropping Antonio, and it was A.J. Brown. I picked him up. Four days went by, and the guy wanted him back. Now, my intention, I told the commissioner, I was going to give him back, right? Because, But I said, I'm, I'm wait, making him wait a day, and I want to see if he quits. And I, the guy left the league. I gave the new owner back, A.J. Brown. All was well. So I said, you know, it was it was good getting that Look, guy to it. Like you got to notice right away, too. Like, <laughs> good one. But you got to <laughs> notice right away an asshole test. I like that. Right. But it's true. Like, you know, if, if you if, – if it takes – a day my gosh I mean, it was even, four days this one it should four. be it should be instantaneous like oh fuck what did i just do like you know someone should be a dm to the other guy dude i meant this extra second can you help me out here like never mind in the league and then maybe in the league you go that was a mistake like right away i would be saying can anybody help me on my mistake i made number one number two how about look at the fucking thing before you hit accept or send. Well, Sleeper has this problem where they don't say, are you sure you want to send this? They should have one more layer that you could toggle But it does show you the trade. It it does show you the trade. Yes, but mistakes. We're talking about mistakes. We're not talking, you know, people... there's a there's a nuclear button and once the button is pressed, its fucking <laughs> missile is fired off. There's a final mean, button for everything. Yeah, you buy don't get to tell on Putin, my Amazon. Bad. You can't right. unbuy. Oh, this is the. I didn't mean to buy an electric guitar. I'm sorry. You now yeah. own an electric guitar. You ordered it when you were drunk. Doesn't matter. By the way, right. another thing: drunk trading. Fridays and Saturday nights. Make sure you're active on your trade wire. Oh, actually, uh, you know what? Actually, hold on. A I want you to underline yeah. this because you talked about this on your podcast, Jax. Yeah. Explain exactly what you mean because this is an important edge in Dynasty right here. Fuck. Take advantage of your league mates who are completely sauced and fucked up with their phone in their hands at a bar trying to hit on some girl going, Eckler for Bijan, whatever, man. Yes. Take advantage <laughs> of these guys who are fucked up, inebriated. So Sorry. On- in Memphis's case, on like a Tuesday night, then because <laughs> yeah, this guy Tuesday goes afternoon. hard. Yeah, <laughs> my weekend right starts on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, 
let, let's get so if you guys have any questions about any shady trade tactics uh you can hit us uh, any of us up on twitter we love talking about the stuff or all our dms are open or if you have any situations that came up in your leagues let us know and we'll try to address them on our various podcasts across hey, the player profile hey, alan you just given me a great idea so this coming monday i've already got a guest and a topic on the kiss the ring podcast on mm. monday night but two weeks after that we'll make trady we'll make shady trades Hey, maybe I'll get Shady Rays to sponsor it. We're going to do Shady <laughs> Trades, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get, maybe I'll have you come on as the guest. I don't know. We'll make that a topic because this is something that we can definitely uh, cover in more in depth. Yeah, there's a lot well, of Alan, tra- Alan, you're you're right. A lot of times what someone will do is they'll post the trade on 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 Twitter and say, is this collusion? And it's like, well, as, as Memphis said, who the fuck knows? Could just right. be a bad trade. What you should be posting is the, the story. Because the story is collusion. The trade is never collusion. The, the trade is just a trade. I traded this right. player could for be, that player or whatever. It could be a terrible offer. Um, it could be a drunk trade. There's a lot of things that can happen. What's the story? What happened? So that's ultimately what you should be going going for when you're trying to figure out if someone something was collusion. But anyway, bad yeah. trades are a whole other thing. Those are just fun. Yeah, I mean, as you saw, a couple bad trades and QB hoarding stuff spilled out in a league that I was in. It was uh, pretty good. But hey, guys, I want to ask you a little bit of prediction. There's no, I don't know how much analysis can go into this, but Memphis, next year, 2024 startups. I want you to get your brain over there for a minute. There's a receiver that we don't know who it is yet is going to go ahead of either Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. Who is the most likely wide receiver and why? You know, it might be overpaying right now in 2023, but like I said, if you think that they're going to be wide receiver one or two next year, let's go advise people to get them. That is very hard given the age of those two guys. I, right. I'm just going to, I think it's a great question, but I think it's a tough question well, given you that. Have to, again, it's not likely, but if there is one, who is for, it likely for, to for be? For me, it's it's Garrett Wilson. You're, you're slow. I, mean, I know last week you guys talked about the alleged, you know, getting on the same page. I don't know what page of the book you guys are on, but the page I'm on with what I'm seeing in camp and Twitter with the chemistry already between him and Aaron Rodgers looks next level. And there's just enough talent. So he's in the perfect situation for me. He's very similar to what Justin Jefferson had before they brought in Hawkinson and now Addison is there's just enough talent around him, whether it was Irv Smith or Adam Thielen or a guy like that. There's just enough talent around Garrett Wilson to keep opposing defenses honest whether it's Brees Hall coming back, whether it's Corey Davis, whether it's Alan Lazard, whoever. There's just enough people around him that's going to let him work, and I think he's going to be an absolute smash. And then I will say this because there's always that helmet scouting as well. That Ohio State Buckeye narrative of him coming out of Ohio State, that's always going to give him just a little extra sprinkling on top. Now, I know those two guys went to LSU, but we're just talking if, if I had to create a narrative where one guy would get ahead, it would have to be Garrett Wilson for me right now. Jax, do you agree with that? So yeah. you, so then is he the wide receiver but, three in Dynasty then? No, hold on. I, I've got – so the three that come to mind for me that make the most sense are C.D. Lamb, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave, who are all young enough, profile as the alpha on their team, and could potentially have some sort of a gigantic season. I mean – Garrett Wilson, almost 150 targets last year. Chris Olave basically led the league in air yards. CeeDee Lamb, proven stud, still very young. So those three make the most sense. I'll give you a dark horse. Talk about helmet scouting. The dark horse, Jackson Smith and Jigba. If he somehow finds himself into a little bit higher target share than we suspect, in other words, he starts eating Tyler Lockett's lunch a little bit, you know, we're I'm sort of projecting them all, you know, maybe uh, DK at 120. Uh, lock it 100 to 110 
you know, JSN 90 to 110 targets. That's kind of what I envision happening. But it could be that, you know, we see 110, 15 to DK, 80 to lock it, and 130 or 140 to JSN with just immense, you know, touchdowns upside, you know, fluky upside. Then all of a sudden people start seeing him as the wide receiver one in Dynasty. That's the guy who could see some, uh, you know, asymmetrical rise uh, this this season. So uh, certainly a possible one. And, and the, helmet, a, the helmet scout. A really stupid, not stupid, but like really an offbeat one. Yeah, go for it. Because he's not even in the NFL yet. It's oh, Marvin, Marvin Harrison. Harris. It's Marvin yeah. Harrison. Yeah, but, it's Marvin but he's not going to go ahead of those I, guys I, in stars. Alan, if I, told, if I had told you this time last year, this time last year, that – Bijan Robinson was going to be going ahead of Jonathan Taylor and Brees Hall. You would have given me the exact same well, look. So, because Jonathan Taylor was coming off of eighteen hundred yards and eighteen touchdowns, it's possible you'd have, been, you'd have been like, "I really like Jonathan Taylor, but I couldn't see Bijan Robinson." Right. Then running you could, backs are all three different. of them. All three of them with the Ohio State helmet, too. By right. the way, and again, I understand the logic. By the way, and if, it would have to be like an August startup because a lot of the startups we do are either before the NFL draft where we're picking kickers to do placeholders. So again, I I think in twenty twenty five, I'm I'm making that bet. But running backs, it's a little different, and I think we all know that the production is in the first part of their career. Wide receivers sometimes take a year or two to develop, so it's it's a great call. And you know what? I had John Laub on my podcast. I said, "Give me the dynasty ranking right now for Marvin Harrison." He had him in wide receiver five, so it's not like it's that crazy of a take, right? And this I, is I sight unseen. I don't hate it. He's the be, he's the from what I, I and I'm not the dynasty. I'm not I'm not the Debbie guy. That's not my my passion. But I, I can, I, you hear him. He's the best wide receiver prospect since Calvin Johnson, and I don't remember where Calvin Johnson was going as a rookie, but I know it was in that pocket one to because yeah. because you you're just going to see him continue to to smash people. But yeah. now now because there is a world, and I'm not putting this out there. I hate to put it in the universe and make it negative, but if there's injury to either. Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, he could come into the season like there is with Jonathan right. Taylor and there's with Brees Hall. That opens up a window to where, well, you know, CD Lamb, you know, a little bit older. And I, I, I can see, I'm telling you, don't be surprised when the Marvin Harrison hype is absolutely stupid this time next year. Right. And there's not going to be any quarterback that deters you from Marvin Harrison either. Even if you it's, know, I you was know. looking, I was like, I was like, because I was, that was going to be my, my next layer of my argument is like, Jordan what? Love. Team, what team, <laughs> no. Uh, I was going to say Justin Fields, but uh, we're in the same division. For for me, it's no, but but I mean, it's such a hard question because like when I started this thing off, those guys are so young and so good and scoring so many fantasy points, it would be hard. But that's a very small group. Lamb, you know, we always- um, Watson. I think Alave, if if he really takes off, he could be awesome. in that mix as well. Yeah. But there's not a lot. There's like a handful of five or six guys. All right, let's let's keep it moving, boys. That. You know, we all love our young wide receivers in our dynasty teams. And a lot of times we talk about rebuilding and how to get younger, but there's a lot of teams that listen to your podcast, to listen to all the player profiler podcasts that are contenders, perennial, because they're following the advice. And one of the better strategies, I believe, is to buy the veteran running backs in season, buying production. And, you know, you can figure out the price, the James Connors, those type of guys. So, Jack's. Is Dalvin Cook is now the time if you can get him for a second and a third? That seems like a price to get him the hell off uh, someone's roster. Is Dalvin Cook someone that you still believe is going to be a 2023 producer for our contender friends out there? Yeah, sort of. It's funny because every time I'm eyeing Dalvin Cook and like whether it be best ball or like I'm doing a redraft, uh, Scott Fishbowl, wherever you are, you're like, 
wait, Dalvin's available? You know, so eighth round, ninth round, you right? Know? It's like he's got such great value. And the only problem we're having is some of the spots where he's projected to go, the Jets, New England, there's another alpha back there. So he doesn't actually get to be an alpha. He just gets to destroy another alpha. You know, like if all of a sudden it's Brees and Dalvin, you're like, oh, that's just pain. Uh, if it's Ramondre and Dalvin, again, pain. Uh, if he goes to Miami, I think he hurts A-chain, but ultimately he just gets to be the alpha there. Uh, there's a few spots where he gets to be that guy, but it's just so scary because there's a couple of rumored spots where he doesn't. And so that's the reason I would I, – I'm a little tepid just because I don't know where he ends up. And, you know, I know money is most important to these guys, and, and in a lot of ways it should be because they don't they – don't, they get a short time to make money. Their contracts aren't guaranteed. Running backs don't get paid a lot, so he should be trying to get as much as he possibly can to enrich his family for as long as possible. So he's not going to just be like, oh, I'll just go to the Chiefs and take less, you know, which would be cool, but probably not going to happen. Same thing happened to DeAndre Hopkins, who was trying to get the money. Look, there are better situations for Hopkins, but probably took the most money. So for all that type of thought process, Dalvin's just a scary proposition. Also on the backside of his career, you know, if you have a Leonard Fournette situation where he comes in and and has a, a good solid season, sure. But as you pointed out, you traded a pick for Fournette, and it and it hurts now. So I'm less likely to trade just straight up picks. I don't like to really do that. I know that's how we tend to value players. But and I'm going to talk about this specific topic on the pod with Theo here. Uh, actually, in a couple hours, we're going to record. It'll probably drop tomorrow. But um, we're going to talk about you know, how to trade for these running backs and, and the types of trades. And I would be more likely to, to be trading off another running back to a Dalvin and get a pick, you know, sort right, of, so let work, me give you an example. Let me give you trades a, a, of that, of that example. Yeah. Let me give you an example in Memphis. You, you could chime in. Cause I think Please. what Jack, Jack said there is, is really a good way to do it. If somebody um, wanted Ken Walker off your team, so that's a running back that we like, but has a few dents in them right now um, and offers you Dalvin cook and a 24 first. For uh, for Ken Walker, what are you doing with an offer like that? That's yeah. Go ahead. It's not horror. It's not the worst I've ever heard. I, well, that's good. I, I mean, I, I would I would have to think about. I would have to really. Well, you don't get to. Do, you get five I, seconds to think about. Oh uh, well, then, then I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm keep I'm keeping Ken Walker, but it's not by a lot. I would want to look at that other person's roster because I'm sen- I'm sending them Ken Ross. I'm sending them Ken Walker, so I'm probably making them better. So the value of that first, yeah, it's, goes let's down. say it's one ten. I'm telling you right yeah, now, it's no, going to be no, one nine, one ten, one eleven. Jacks, no, no, Jacks, no. a trade like that. Is that what you're talking if I, about? If I know it's late. No, I'm not doing it. If I know it's late. If I know it's late. If uh, because I I sort of view all picks as mid round picks, even you know good teams. The one oh six. Yeah, I think of the pick that way. I actually think of it as a little later because I don't like to over, you know, you know, oh, it's going to be great. You know, it's like, you know, easy now. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, like, you know, if I know it's late, sometimes you look at a squad and you're like, dude, this fucking guy's making the playoffs. Like, he's deep. He's got all, you know, all these great players. It's like something would have to get really fucked up in this league for him to not make the playoffs. So, you know, it's late. Um, but yeah, generally no, but that's, that's close. I, I'm a little bit higher on Ken Walker than most right now. I've started to circle Agreed. wagons. Yep. Um, I think he's good. You and called him a – sorry yeah. to mean to cut you off. You no, called him a dented can, You call, but he's a perceived dented yeah, can. That, that's all I mean. I meant value-wise. Not him himself, but the value. I mean, he's a fourth and fifth round pick in redraft. And, he and, was going and, in the late first round, middle of the second round in yes. February. You know, And I don't want to like make people nervous because – but DeAndre Hopkins, the odd, the Vegas odds were that Tennessee was the favorite to sign him. 
and Tennessee was in like the top five or six of 2024 cap space. Guess who's number one on both the odds and in 2024 cap space? It's the New England Patriots. Yeah. And, and that feels like a spot where Dalvin Cook could wind up because he's wanting like that two-year deal. He's wanting at least what Melvin Gordon got a couple of years ago from the Broncos, like two for 16. It's, it's not what he really wants. I think that's what he would settle for. And New England has the cap space to be able to get him in there. And that's going to screw up a lot of stuff for a lot of people. Awesome. And New because New England, New England is like looking at everybody. All these veterans are looking at defensive guys because they can't finish last in that division again. The Jets got Aaron Rodgers, Tua's healthy. You got Josh Allen, of course. You can't afford. So they're going to go whatever means necessary to try to put a contender on the field. And if that means signing and Dalvin Cook and ruining an R fantasy value, I'm not going to be surprised. Very Belichickian. Yeah, right. very, what? very 1995 Belichickian. Who are you valuing more right now than in um, – Oh, you know, actually, I was going to ask about Josh Jacobs. I want to stick with Saquon Barkley since he signed his deal right now, and that rejuvenated not only his redraft value, but his dynasty value is back intact, even though he's still a year-to-year you know, proposition. So Memphis, uh, Saquon Barkley – where are you going to rank him amongst your dynasty running backs? Give me the area. Like, uh, uh, is he RB5? Are you taking Chris, him ahead of Christian McCaffrey, Ken Walker, that same group that we talked about? And then I'm going to throw it over to ask Jax about his specific value uh, as far as, like, picks and all that kind of stuff. From a dynasty standpoint, I've got to put him, like, 7-8 because I don't know where he's working next year. So let's go over the let's go over the one through six then. Give me your one through six. Man, well, I, I wasn't prepared. I mean, obviously, yeah, top ahead. I'm top prepared. Ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm prepared. I mean, you, you, okay, Look, go Bijan, ahead. Bijan's one, right? And then I think you got to look at for me, and and you can disagree with this, but two, three, four is Taylor, Brees Hall, Christian McCaffrey. But right now, if Brees Hall is maybe get, getting Dalvin Cook, I've been a little bit, you know, moving Brees down in that in that range. And then at five, you have to start thinking about Saquon at least. But you know. Because there's so much from from five. Okay, do, do we like Jameer Gibbs in the top five? I mean, he's right there, right? I mean, all tier. He, he he is for me. Yeah, I would ha- I would have Gibbs ahead of. Just because Isn't it amazing he, these guys sight unseen? We're we're first, ranking first, him in the top five. First round, first crazy? round rookie. Yeah. No, yeah, it's I'll, nuts. I mean, it's it makes yeah. sense. I have yeah. him the same way, but it's just talk about you know just not even test driving something yet. Right. It's, I, I just wrote him down. I, I would have him as six. So I would have it: Bijan, JT, Brees Hall. Christian McCaffrey, and then I'm putting Gibbs a little bit higher. I'd have Gibbs at five, and then I would put Barkley there at six. Just so you know, but that's I, exactly how I have it. I, right. and, and, and I say that not to be – but, again, it's that fishbowl narrative. Well, he played all 17 games. Did we forget about the rest of his career? Right. Yeah. You know, there, there's a reason why the Giants don't want to commit to him long term, and they're either going to do one of two things. And this goes for a lot of these running backs. They're going to do one of two things. They're either going to pile drive him into the ground and run the absolute wheels off of him, and he may never be as good as he is this year, or B, they're going to start recrafting their offense to be less reliant on that guy. I could see the exact same thing in L.A. with the Chargers, the Raiders with Josh Jacobs. They're not going to be beholden because, you know, that's how New York got into the situation. They built the entire offense around Saquon Barkley, so they felt obligated to bring him back. Are they going to try to recraft the offense? Not entirely. I'm not talking a full overhaul, but are they going to start gradually going away from him being the key component so that in 2024 and beyond, they're not as reliant on these guys to be the engine of the offense? We talk about how hard it is to buy running backs, yet all these running backs have problems. Jax, is now the time in Dynasty to buy Josh Jacobs? Yes. 
Yeah, I think so, because I think people are starting to get a little bit nervous. I mean, I drafted him in the big game, you know, the the the, the startup we just did. And I'm like, shit, you know, it's like, oh, no, you know, I feel it a little bit in that league. I'm like, gosh, did I make a mistake? So if I feel that sometimes you start to feel that sometimes you feel like, oh, my gosh, you know, if I can still get value, maybe it's a good time to get off. So, yeah, I do think it's an opportunity. But I, again, we're going to talk about it with Theo. I think all these guys are buys and sells all at the same time, like. I would buy Christian McCaffrey. I would sell Christian McCaffrey. You know what I mean? Like I am ready to to maneuver. I actually want to transact because here's the thing. We just did our top five, top six. I don't mean to put you on the spot, Memphis, but just think about who's at seven. Like, because Ken, Ken Walker. That's who I have Travis at seven. Travis Etienne, right? Uh, okay, and, and, so, and, and it gets right? very tenuous right there, right? <laughs> right? It gets really tenuous. But if I said if I said I have Jacobs over Walker, you'd be like, I disagree with that. You know, I have I have Walker over Jacob. But okay, so from Walker to like, all right, I'll just name names in no order: Chubb, Eckler, Etienne, Najee, Ramondre, Jacobs, Pollard, Ken Walker, Javante, Dobbins. That's a lot of names of guys that like which of those guys is going to finish as the as a top five running back in 2023 maybe Eckler maybe Chubb like so do they go up in value would you rather have Chubb than ETN my whole point here is like if I can trade ETN for Chubb plus or vice versa I don't like I'm willing to be wrong with my rankings and take the profit from another uh, fantasy manager who thinks he's right and if you're looking to trade your running backs Wait until the season gets going, and these guys are performing. And if you're if you're looking to acquire wide receivers, that's going to be the time to make that one to one comparison. Because I've been out there in these trade streets trying to make some deals happen. Yeah, nobody wants to move like 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 wide receiver eight for running back eight. Nobody wants no, to move Travis right. Etienne for Chris Olave. Will they in September? That's going to give me a much better shot. So yes, always go the opposite. True. Always go the opposite of what the consensus is. Yes. Right now, everybody's fading running. Everybody's <laughs> fading running. Everybody's fading running backs. So yep. don't sell them. Go buy a couple if you'd like. Yep. And if everybody's you know buying wide receivers, might be a good time to sell high on a couple. And then in season when the narr- it's the same thing, old guy, young guy. There's all these yep. little things that if you just time it up right, you can always maximize that ROI. That's yeah, right. So that's the key. Yeah. Yeah, if you everyone needs running backs in Dynasty. I don't care how good of a team you yeah, have. Yeah, zero RBs cool until it's week seven and you don't have any RBs. <laughs> Wait, you mean right. you mean week two? Week yeah, two. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, maybe I tend to build. It's yeah. like everybody with the Scott Fishbowl. It's like everybody was talking white. It's like, did, did not anyone else look at the wide receiver, like the, the scoring format? Because yes. the Justin, would you agree Justin Jefferson had a great season last year? Yeah, Pretty yeah. obvious he did. Yeah. In Scott Fishbowl scoring, in the 2023 scoring format, he was the 16th highest scoring player. Had as good a season as a wide receiver could possibly have, was the 16th scoring highest entity. Yeah. We all we all think we want wide receivers because yep. they look cool, but give me the point scores given the format. Let's, yep. let's look at this elitist Memphis. He's in the uh, Scott Fishbowl. I mean, you know, ninety five percent of this audience. Hey, is I'll not see if I can country. get you in next year, kid. Oh my god, is it? What's it called? It, I'm always jealous when it's going on, right? But then, like when the, I just I can't myself add another managed league that's for no money, and I I love what he's doing with the charity and all that stuff. And but I'm just saying, is I always make a fun that the worst content is Scott Fishbowl content. I always make fun. Oh, of that. you know, the, the, the hater. The, the, I, the, I'm, the, I'm a total hater. I'm a total hater. Total. I did, I, did, I did a little less this year because it, it, statistically, Alan is correct. Like if That's you look what I mean. Your, I'm just if factual. you look at your rankings and your views and your downloads on podcast and, 
and, and YouTube, you get significantly less on Scott. It's almost like they're they're yeah. they're pulling an Allen it's, and going full contrarian. It's just, it's Studio Fifty Four. Only the elite few are allowed in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, me and three thousand of my <laughs> closest friends. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. A uh, couple more questions before we we wrap up. Um, so a, a player that I think we really need to talk about is someone that Scott has been touting, uh, Clayton Toon. And it was kind of like a joke in the beginning here, but Clayton Toon, who is the what fourth or fifth round rookie from the Arizona Cardinals, this guy is going to get four starts this year, whether they're the beginning of the year, the end of the year, I don't know. So is this a player right now that if you were in quarterback hell in your dynasty Superflex leagues, that you you give someone a second round pick, you get back a fourth and Clayton Tune, Scott, I'll let you take this question since you were the original Clayton Tune truther if you want that title. I, I don't see that's a that's a funny thing. I'm the Clayton Tune might start games truther. You know, I joked uh when when I first started hyping him up, I'm like, I don't know if he's tall or short, black or white. I've never seen the guy play. I don't know anything about him. That's not true. I have seen him play, but like really it's not a player take. It's not Clayton Tune's good, man. It's Clayton Tune Look, if, if, if it was someone else who got drafted into that situation, I'd be like, dude, do you realize that whomever is going to start games? I did kind of like him a little bit as a prospect, but um, all that being said, yeah, I just think he's got an opportunity to start games, and you know that's good enough in a super flex league. Obviously, he's worthless in a one-quarterback league, absolutely worthless. Here's the big question. In Dynasty, who you got, Clayton Toon or Jordan Love? Oh, come on. That's an easy one. One guy is, is guaranteed to start the whole year. But I, I, you're an exaggeration for clarification. Memphis, I mean, oh. the, help people understand what the value of quarterback 32 is in Superflex. Like, if you're looking at wide receiver, you know, 20 or Mike Evans, I'll give you a good wide receiver that's a little bit volatile. Who are you going to start in that Superflex spot? Clayton Toon, if he gets starts week one, or someone like Mike Evans in that tier. Explain to people why Depends we're on talking scoring. about Tune. Depends on it, scoring. It, 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 normal it, scoring. PPR. Yeah. Well, six PPR point. four point is normal. That's why. But we'll I play him, more six points. So, all right, go yeah. four point or five points. Split the difference. It, it, it's, it's still going to be the same. I mean, he. The, the, wider, the, the, wide, the wider the wide receiver needs the quarterback. The quarterback, you know, also needs the wider, but it's not the same. The quarterback touches the, the ball on every single play. Yeah. And you know that he's going to be involved in the offense. And there are times where even the worst quarterback is going to have value. I mean, you're, we're going to look back in five years or we're going to talk about miscellaneous seasons from guys like Jacoby Brissett, yeah. Gardner Minshew. Those guys pop up. You know, every once in a while, you might catch lightning in a bottle and catch a Dak Prescott or a Brock Purdy or a guy who might wind up being a multi-year starter. But there's always this intrinsic value of these little quarterbacks that pop up out of nowhere. And every year there's one. Um, the uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson or the the, the guy from Cleveland. DTR. He's an inappropriate massage away from time himself. All, hey, whoa, wait! I've, I want to party with Alan one of these days. Um, but, but for sure, all of these guys. And, and here's the thing: I would not be surprised if by the end of the season, if Arizona, like the if the non, like if you just took your friend, like you work in an office with, he he or she plays fantasy football, but they're not a degen like us. Okay, by the end of the season, by week thirteen, they could have a lineup in Arizona that literally none of your coworkers would know. They wouldn't know who Greg Dorch is or Michael right. Wilson. Or, right. or or Trey McBride or Charlie or or, or Toon, 
Yeah. You can call him Charlie Tune. It's cool. Is, is it Charlie? Charlie? Tuna, yeah. It's Clayton. 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 C Tune. C Tune. Right. Someone's yeah. going to make that mistake. It could in, be uh, Looney Tune. I, I don't know, but yes, you you are correct that these guys do have value. I was thinking of Charlie, the uh, the guy. Isn't the the Raiders backup a rookie as well? Oh, uh, Aiden O'Connell. Yeah. And then and then Charlie Jones is the wide receiver for Purdue. So I was, I was smashing a bunch of random nobodies together. But That's yes, right. these guys People that always watch this have, podcast. They like that they, kind of they stuff. They yeah, always that, that, have Alan, value. Alan, I have I have a huge I don't even know. I'm like well over 50% exposure to Clayton Toon in Dynasty Leagues and that so that's not a truther because I wasn't I, I for, fourth fifth round rookie picks or off the waiver wire even in Superflex leagues is how I attained him. It's like well, Okay, so if he starts starting a game, let's say he has one game where he throws for 200 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks, and he scores 18 fantasy points, and they lose 30 to 20, people will trade for him now. You know what I mean? It's like he doesn't have to be good. He doesn't have to go out there and be awesome. It's like, oh, shit, he was okay, and he scored 18 fantasy points, and I can put him in my lineup if I have a quarterback problem. So what is that guy worth now? Certainly worth more than a fourth or fifth round rookie pick. I don't know what, but more. A third round rookie pick, for sure, at least. A second round rookie pick, probably. You know, Brock Purdy went from worth nothing to a second round rookie pick. And I think now Brock Purdy, I would absolutely 1,000% draft Brock Purdy way ahead of of Trey, Lan- of, of Trey Lance and Jordan Love uh, also. Um, you know, it's like, I think, I think Brock Purdy's in the Kenny Pickett range and probably ahead of them. For me, he is. He's just behind for me, Brock Purdy's quarterback 20. And so all of a sudden now you have a guy who was who was free. I'm not saying that Clayton Toon is that. As a matter of fact, it's most likely he's not at all like that. But that's the type of player you're trying to hit on is the type that just has four, five, six starts in a in a season that you can flip after start one or two when someone says, you know, I need a starter. That I'd pay nothing for him. Let me give you a second and you give me your fourth. Okay, great. We just made a deal. Yeah, and then, you know, that's the name of the game is surviving in season with the Superflex. Guys, here's the last question. I want to go one at a time here. I want you to give everyone uh, one piece of advice actionable for the 2023 season. It could be general. It could be specific. And then also one mistake that you're going to caution even experienced drafters to avoid. All right, so let's start with first a piece of advice. Jax, what's something that you want to tell people that are watching this podcast, Dynasty or 2023 related, that could be helpful this year? I mean, it's helpful every year. Uh, I, I didn't see this question on the show sheet, so you know, a little off the cuff. But I would actually say that the, you know, don't get married to your priors. You know, it's the it's the just like you said with Trey Lance, people just get you know married to their priors. Uh, you know, definitely take new information and try to have. Imagine if you just started playing today. And you just have to look at everything and figure it all out. Like, but so many times we just keep our our mind so cemented in what we used to think that it's hard for us to think something new and something different about a player or about a situation. Um, and and that was that was clear and evident with the Trey Lance situation for quite a while. And Brock Purdy, it happens to all of us. But um, I, I want to be first to realize something, not last. All right, Memphis, same thing. Piece of advice to anyone that's about to get started with their dynasty leagues or, or just even something that's 23-related. First one is be very similar to, to Jackson. Don't lock into a take. It's that cognitive dissonance. I bring it up again because I did a podcast where I think that's the yeah. number one killer of yeah. dynasty Well, managers. how do you avoid it? Well, let me ask you, you that. You, how you, do you, do you, you have to have. You have to understand what you know and what you don't know. 
What do you what do you know? We know that the general manager told us that Brock Purdy's the starter. We know that he had a good season. We know that they brought in Sam Darnold, and yet even when presented with that new information, you only dig in deeper. That's how, and that's not just in dynasty, guys. That's in life. And, and the other one is is I'm always going to get out too early than than too late. Yeah. So if I have a dynasty guy and I'm just not like like Ramondre Stevenson, I know a lot of people like Ramondre Stevenson. I am not those people, and, and I am going to get out early on him because. I've seen Bill, Bill Belichick do it too many times. He's the same guy. It's so weird that like three years ago or two and a half years ago when he was coming out in the rookie draft, we all made fun of because he was slow. He ran a four six nine forty. He wasn't super athletic. And then all of a sudden he gets 88 targets and all of a sudden he's an RB1. I don't, that does not compute for me. And they're already the, the Vegas favorite to get another running back. I don't trust Bill Belichick. So that's those are the things that I know. So I'm going to cash out. And if I'm wrong, cool. God bless him. I hope he gets a nice big paycheck, but I'm getting out too early before I get out too late. It's yeah, like and, the and, and Alan, I'll I'll actually answer the, the, the question. How do you do that? Well, the the you know, the the undrafted t-shirt is zero shares, zero cares. The other one is be ready to be wrong. You know, and I, I think of it all the time, like, how am I wrong? You know, think about how you could be wrong about a take uh, about every player. Like you, you think of this player in this way. Well, how could I be wrong about this? What are the ways I could be wrong? And the other, the other sort of way to think about that is, you know, JJ Zacharyson talks about this all the time. Think more in range of outcomes rather than certainties. You know, what are the possibilities of what could happen to player X or situation Y? You know, don't just think in terms of what I think this is going to happen. Yeah, that's one possibility. It may be even the most likely, but how likely is it? Is it 50% likely, 20% likely? Something could be 20% likely and still the most likely. We talked about that with Kadarius Tony. You know, who, who's the most likely player to uh, to lead you know Kansas City and uh, wide receiver Kansas City in, uh, in, in in fantasy points? It was it was probably Kadarius Tony, but it was really more likely somebody else. I don't know who, but anybody else. And so it's like, yeah, even though I think Kadarius Tony's most likely to lead the team in fantasy points at the wide receiver position, I don't think he's going to. Does that make sense? So Yeah, well, because always, if he was 20%, the yes. op to not him is 80%. <laughs> yeah, right. right. You know, right. Something like that. So you start to just think about it. It's like, well, am I making this bet based off of a strong probability? Where are my probabilities? Where's my where's the trap door? How does this thing all go wrong for me? And and when you start thinking like that, then you start to have, you know, multiple avenues and multiple ways that you can you can move. You're not just locked into, nope, he's the best, man. You know, because then you start sitting on uh, on your roster, and we've all done it. We've all looked down and go, you know, I've I've got too much Cortland Sutton. I'm looking down, and going, lost that bet, and he's sitting on my roster. Well, maybe if I'd have been a little bit more proactive when the hype was there and said, you know, I could be wrong about this one and traded a few. Sometimes we just get locked in, and then we just are holding the bag of despair. There's a great Mark Twain quote. I'm sure you've heard it. it says, "It ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so." There's a great Mark Twain quote. I'm sure you've heard it. It says, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. That's right. That's a show.
to be the man, you got to beat the man. There's a there's a nuclear button, and once the button is pressed, its fucking <laughs> missile is fired off. I want to party with Alan one of these days. The worst content is Scott Fishbowl content. The uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, or the the, the guy from Cleveland, D DTR. Yeah. He's an inappropriate massage away from time himself. Right, he goes not like that little uh, little tramp in the salon in your hometown. That's right. right. She's gonna tell. I want to party with Alan one of these days. It ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so.